Welcome to our podcast with super fans Rose and Sam and Malika too. She's undecided if she even likes it. But we watched our game and talk about it because it's fun. We probe the wormholes, yes we do, because we have nothing. Better to do so. Listen, here's our show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Probing the Wormhole, a Stargate discussion podcast. I'll be your host today, Rose, a super fan of Stargate. And as always, with me are Samantha, a super fan, and Malika. That's all today. Just Malika. Today, we'll be discussing Prisoners, episode three of season two of SG1. And just a warning, we may be discussing uh, sexual violence today on our podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, so this is another criminal justice E episode. We may have some particular thoughts about it, given our chosen occupations. We start the episode on another forest planet, a nice misty, cool forest planet with that really cool spiderweb opening scene. And you have SG-1 trudging through the forest. Daniel, of course, wants to stay and look at whatever. Jack says no. And then they see a man running toward them asking for help from the towel door and they help him and walk with him. All of a sudden they are beamed somewhere. It was unclear if they were beamed somewhere or something was beamed on them. I don't know, but they were beamed somewhere where they are told that they are prisoners because they have helped a murderer. It had a very Star Trek feel to it. Like, I think we've seen this scene before in Star Trek where the crew is abducted and taken to these faceless aliens and they say you have done something wrong no this feels very familiar this whole episode reminded me a little bit of that um tng episode where wesley gets like sentenced to death for like stepping on a plant right it's the whole idea of like the zero tolerance approach to to criminal behavior isn't this kind of an old trope of alien kind of beaming you up to some sterile place and then having their way with you in this case <laughs> in this case T- uh, Taldor they just sentenced you to prison but in other alien stuff you get probed yeah this does have like a classic sci-fi feel to it which I kind of like so I guess they have no trial right they, they just pass judgment on them without hearing any evidence yeah yeah as opposed to Karai where we spent plenty of time talking about the, the trial and due process and you know how the trial works this is just literally like what this is accusation trial and sentencing in like a minute and that's it yeah they did give Carter some time to say no that's not what we we were taught to defend ourselves or something like that like so they were allowed to give some evidence well, you wonder what would have happened because it seems like they took their statements to be admissions, which is they kind of were. They're like, yeah, we helped this guy. And they're like, okay, so you admit to aiding a murderer. But if they had said, no, we didn't help him, or if there was some denial of guilt, what the process would have been. They and certainly were not entitled to counsel. Exactly. Yeah, of course not. What is up? How many planets are we going to go to where everybody's wearing burlap? A lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot. Um, there's also like a lot of planets that were like, I don't know, medieval European style clothes for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> but if you, if you want to present these people as like sort of the downtrodden of a society, burlap is the way to go. But even in like agrarian uh, societies, they have like goats and sheep and stuff and plant fibers like cotton. <laughs> like, come on, let's let's change up the clothes a little bit. There's too much burlap here. So we do come to the prison. They get thrown to the gate through the gate into this underground cavern. Jack Apley notes that this sucks. And they are greeted by a bunch of whistling prisoners. Are they whistling? Or are they wailing? I couldn't quite identify that sound in the background. Well, is and it, are they like, was that for them or is that some kind of like memorial or for the people that they thought were like whisked away by the kaloosh? I think they were cat calling Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was whistling. And is this the first time we see the kaloosh kill somebody or learn that the kaloosh can kill you if you're in the way of it? I think so. And given that the kaloosh can not only kill you, but like utterly disintegrate your entire being, there seems to be a lack of security around the kaloosh in the gate room, right? Like, I guess the ramp, the expectation is you won't, don't stand on the ramp, ramp when the gate is opening because that's as far as the kaloosh goes, but it goes really far and everyone just sort of like doesn't care. Like there's no like warning, gate activating, move away. Or just put a rope, <laughs> just put a rope there something so people like a VIP rope <laughs> and a, like a bouncer yes or like a red line like step behind like a, the subway like step behind this line <laughs> where all you well, all you'll be is feet, <laughs> feet in a pair of shoes smoking feet this is just like a workplace safety lawsuit waiting to happen oh rose are you gonna call osha <laughs> definitely does osha have jurisdiction over military facilities probably not anyway sam tries to talk to people v vishner grabs her i guess that's his move is to grab you from behind to lift you up and uh linnea approaches does her thing says sam is under her protection so she's not to be taken by any man Right. I think they threw that in there because it wouldn't make any sense that she wouldn't be sexually assaulted otherwise. In a, if she's like the lone woman in a male prison with no guards. They had to at least acknowledge it. It, it had to have been a, a, a real fear of Carter. Well, she seems to think I can take care of myself. I don't need your help, which I'm like, can you, you should take the help when you get it. But yeah, I think, I think the writers realized that had they not at least made an acknowledgement of that, it wouldn't, it would have felt too not believable. It would have felt like a Disney show. Yeah. I mean, it is a family show, so they can't go too deep into it. But yeah, it would have felt like Disney if they hadn't acknowledged it. I understand that that the her possible rape has to be brought up, but it's it's old. It's getting old. Like she could be raped on every single planet we go right. to. So so I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Sam could potentially be raped on any planet. And they do obviously after that god awful episode, you know, go to planets where gender roles might be a little stricter than what they're used to stuff like that and it, i mean it had like she was almost raped on emancipation that was the whole thing um although the guys get drugged and raped pretty often as well <laughs> so i guess yeah daniel should be worried not carter <laughs> that's my point like 
I absolutely am not making light of prison rape because it's a horrible scourge and that should not be part of your sentence, no matter what you do. But Daniel is pretty pretty. They should be protecting him too. But don't you, I mean, like, so it seemed that Linnea was the only other women woman on this planet. It seemed like if, if you were a woman who suddenly got thrown into like San Quentin, you'd be in a lot of danger, right? It's, it seems like the danger for a woman in a, man, a men's prison would be quite high. So I think she would be the one at most risk. And one, one wonders when Linnea first got there, who knows how long ago, if um, that was something that happened to her and she slowly built up this fear regime over time or if she sort of established that right away. I bet it happened to her. And then she yeah. slowly accumulated power. Yeah. And maybe there were other women that were raped and killed. Who knows? So at least now Linnea says she's under my protection. So we have that reason why she's going to be left alone. And I think that the other guys are also kind of in her orbit. So everyone's giving them a wide berth. Jack asks what they need and they need power for the gate and tells Teal to look scary. <laughs> which he's good at. <laughs> and Daniel makes the comparison that this is like uh, Botany Bay in Australia. Yeah. Um, I didn't do the research on this, but I know a tiny bit about it. And it was like um, from Europe, from especially England. And they would send just boatloads of criminals and people, not just people who have been found guilty of murder or rape or other you know, serious crimes, but also from what I understand, they also sent people who just owed money. And eventually they started just sending people from that were in poor houses. So it was just like, we're going to send all of our, the people we deem not part of our society. Daniel makes this comparison. Then this man tries to give them a gift, I guess, seeing them as sort of the favored people that they should get on their good side and tries to get Daniel to challenge Vishnor. Anyone think Daniel could take that guy in a fight? <laughs> no, but no, this Tresnor, that, that was Tresnor who they got um, thrown onto the planet with. He's already a murderer. And that's why he was dragging that dead guy. He probably murdered that dude too. And he's like, no, he killed himself. Like bullshit. This is what you do is murder people. <laughs> <laughs> he and was so never proven guilty. We don't really know. He seems kind of murdery. <laughs> He's got like blood on his face. He probably eats them. Who knows? I don't think he was the one who stole the feet. Well, they didn't but steal the feet. He was stealing the shoes, right? No, no, there were feet inside. But there's got to be feet in them, right? Well, you just scoop it out. <laughs> then Sam and Jack are going to Linnea's room. They see some prisoners chasing after another man. Sam wants to help. And Jack says, hey, this is not our problem. So it's interesting the approaches they all take when they first get there, right? Like Jack's like, okay, I'm in prison mode. I've been here before. These are the rules in prison. You can't help other people. But you, you can't, you know, take on the protector role. You can't show weakness. You want to be scary, all that. And Daniel and Sam are sort of being naive. Well, they, I, I doubt they've ever been in prison or jail. Well, Carter has when she was symbiote Sam. And then she was a captive of her ex-fiance too on the sunburn planet. Yeah, but I, it seems like experiences in prison and jail are a little different. Than, yeah. 
than just being captive in it, like in, in terms of how you're dealing with the other people, right? Because in in this situation, it's not like a solitary confinement kind of issue. It's a like you have there's all these other people, all of whom are very desperate, um, some of whom have violent histories, and you have to just protect yourself from them. There's no guards. There's no nothing to protect you. Then we finally get to the SGC where SG3 is apparently looking for SG1 and does not find them. And then we go back to the prison. <laughs> so back in the prison, they're in Linnea's room. I guess she has her own room. She asks if they intend to challenge her and points out that there are two ways to control a society, through fear and through hope. Seems like she's using both. It's unclear if, because they said, how can you let these men like kill themselves in this manner? And she's like, you know, that's their hope is that that's their only hope of getting out of here. But that relationship between the like escape and her power didn't seem clear to me. Yeah. Does she realize that these people are not escaping, that they're actually dying? I think she would because she sees the smoking feet. So she knows what happens to them. And she's super smart. I mean, we yeah. see that at the end of the episode, like she's a brilliant scientist. So she's got to put two and two together. Mm -hmm. I think probably the prisoners came up with this legend that this is how you get out and she just perpetuated it she knew that i mean we're gonna find out later that she doesn't give a shit so she knew that you die but if ever if everyone believes this is an escape why doesn't everyone do it is that there's only room for like two at a time or three yeah there was three lined up maybe some people are smart <laughs> there's some smart ones in there i don't know then how how didn't it Vishnar already try that. He's not so smart. Not so smart. He's but maybe because he's sort of the top of the food chain after Linnea. Maybe he's like, I'll take my chances being in charge here. And then who the fuck knows where I'd go. Or, and this is just speculating, Linnea told Vishnar not to do this because she could rely on him to be her muscle, right? Yeah, I mean, she does allude that there's, you know, she's in charge and it's clear her, her her hold is pretty tight, but that there's a delicate balance of power and SG-1 has upset it. And so that's one of her reasons why she has no choice but to leave. Well, do you think that this has been Linnea's plan the whole time? So like all the people who come through are also wearing burlap. And here comes these people in tactical gear even though they don't have their guns and stuff like that, they do, they are dressed completely different. And Linnea sees them as a way to get off world. Yeah, I think as soon as she saw them, she's like, these people are gonna be my friends, you know, which is why her first move was to protect them, to make them uh, in debt to her. Yeah, it wasn't, I'm a woman, you're a woman, I'm gonna protect you. Can you tell I don't like Linnea? <laughs> I mean, she is the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> kind <laughs> of hard to like her so we go back to the sgc briefing room um we have i guess sg3 guy has their transmitters and weapons and he was told that sg1 was sent to prison so now at least they have some information on what happened to them hammond now says it's a diplomatic problem which means sg9 so I, is this i guess now we have our specialized sg teams right we learned that actually they're not all just sort of exploratory teams that there are teams that have, like sort of specialize in one thing or another. And I guess SG-9 is the diplomatic unit or one of the diplomatic units. Mm -hmm. Is this where we see the table just full of guns? There were a lot of guns on that table. 
It was like 10, at least 10 of them. They, they do carry a lot of guns on them, which also I'm like, if, if you're in a society and somebody comes towards you with like eight guns, are you going to be inclined to be like, welcome? Hi, how are you? You're going to be like, what the fuck? You're going to kill me, right? Yes, exactly. And it's like, they wear them on their, ch- it's not like they're like hidden. They're like, here's my giant gun. How are you doing? I, it just does not seem conducive to like nice, friendly relations. Yeah. I mean- there would definitely be at least eight guns because there's four of them. They have one of the AK-47s or whatever those are. P90s. And then they also have like a sidearm. And then I'm sure they now have carry Zat gun. At least one of them has a Zat gun. And then I guarantee O'Neill has one of those like cop ankle guns just in case. And a few knives. Oh, of course. <laughs> So we go back to prison and we see Linnea's activators. I I didn't quite understand this explanation, but apparently this liquid, which is, can't just be water. It's gotta be something more than water gets put on this plant type thing that doesn't need light and turns into cold fusion, right? Which is like a nuclear reaction. Like, I'm not sure how this is powerful. Yeah. I, I I didn't quite understand why lit plants equals enough energy to run the stargate exactly (laughs) it was pretty it was pretty i i think that the point is that there is no energy and then she puts some drops of activator on moss and then all of a sudden there is electrical power coming out of these plants and while she's in the room showing o'neill and carter it looks like just a a lighted orb under some moss from uh, Joanne's fabrics or something. But later when they're wrapping the moss garlands around the gate, they did up the um, CGI a little bit. So it made it look a little bit cooler. So cold fusion according to Wikipedia, is a hypothesized type of nuclear reaction that would occur at or near room temperature. It would starkly contrast starkly with the hot fusion that is known to take place naturally within stars and artificially in hydrogen bombs and prototype fusion reactors under immense pressure at temperatures of millions of degrees. So I I just find it very hard to believe that a plant with water on it is going to do that kind of thing that they cannot replicate in any kind of scientific experiment thus far in human history. But whatever, it's an alien, so I guess you never know. Anything could happen. And it worked. I mean, it did power the Stargate. But you need a lot of power to power a Stargate, right? It's not like powering a fucking microwave. Yeah. <laughs> Those <laughs> roots are pretty strong, I guess. Anyway, yes. So we have these this moss atomic whatever. Also, so they they were like, I need we need power, and then they like immediately find power. Didn't take them very long. And if and if she has power, why didn't she figure that out? She's so brilliant. She can figure out their computer in three minutes. Yeah, her, her explanation about not um, not fooling around with the, the Stargate didn't quite wash because, I mean, she could have tried to get that Stargate moving. I don't think the issue was turning it on. The issue was how to dial out, right? So she she doesn't know the addresses. She doesn't know what these chevrons represent. She doesn't know where she's going to go. Or, or maybe there's only enough power to try it once 
And if it like, cause you can dial it a million times and not ever get a connection if you don't know where you're going. But what else is she going to do? Right. I guess the alternative is sitting in a jail cell for the rest of your life and dying. Well, she does. She has been making a lot of activator. (laughs) How does she get up? Who knows? Who knows where she gets this glowing stuff? Because in her room, there's like, it looked like a witch's. Yeah, it very much did. Yeah. And everything's glowing. All these bottles of glowing stuff, even though there's nothing glowing anywhere in this prison. Like, I mean, like you can be brilliant if you don't have the basic materials to do this shit. How are you going to do it? Like she doesn't have machinery. She doesn't have a lab. She doesn't have all the things you might need to like make a very complex chemical process. That doesn't seem to be a hindrance at all. She can make like medicine to cure blindness in 30 seconds. And make that food taste better. Yeah. Like oceans <laughs> with no equipment. Like she's just thinking it <laughs> existence. Yeah. I think that it's interesting and it should, there should have been some kind of antenna raised about her wanting automatically wanting a quid pro quo type situation. Well, Daniel's antenna was raised right away. He's like, we don't know what she's in for. Right. Um, I think, I mean, at this point, Jack is very much in a, like, I don't care. I don't care if you're good or bad. I don't care what you want. I need to get my team off of this, this planet. If you can help us, whatever, we'll offer you to come with us. And she's like, done, you know? So, so I think Jack is very much seeing this transactionally and kind of doesn't care about the bigger implications. That's Daniel's job. Then you see, then we go to the Daniel scene where Teal'c is holding this guy by his neck, you know, apparently demonstrating patience. <laughs> That's he when He's doing that as self-defense or, or a defense of others. And then this is where Daniel's like, we don't know what she's in for. And by the way, it's not respect as fear that these inmates are expressing towards Linnea. Uh, and Jack says, don't care. Like she's, you know, we're in prison. People do what they have to do in prison. She has to do what she has to do to survive. And they're, they're both kind of right. I mean, I think you can't really judge somebody when you're in that situation. Like if she, if she hadn't established herself as some kind of leader to be feared, I guess she had that hand device too. I don't know what that hand device is or how she got it in there. She couldn't have made it in there. So she brought it with her. So if she was using that to like inspire fear by killing people or hurting them, what, I mean, had she not done that, she would have been raped and killed. That device that no one saw. I know. Even though she raised her hand quite prominently many times. Yeah. It looks it looks almost like that Ashrek device. It had like three oh. dots on it, kind of. Yeah, it did look a little gaudy. Yeah. And how did she not get it taken away from her? Well, okay. So we're we are postulating that Linnea came in at the lowest rung of the totem pole. I think that her reputation might have preceded her here. You just need one prisoner to be like dude, she's bad news. Let me tell you what she did for everybody else to kind of cower. So we, I think we're doing the same thing as kind of O'Neill is doing, seeing her as working her way up the rungs, but maybe she came in pretty close to the top. Um, One of you guys said something about she couldn't have made the hand thing in the prison. So she brought that. She could have been thrown into the prison and then just shot everybody and she was the only one left and then all these other guys are from are new you know who knows how she 
she gained her prominence. How could she have brought it in though? The Teldor didn't take it away from her? Maybe she hid it in her stomach like the other guy, the hunter, (laughs) and coughed it up. So they make a plan to power one completely alien device with another, as Sam puts it. But she can do it because she's Sam. Um, And they also have to think of where to go because they obviously can't go back to the SGC without their gate code devices. The gate activates the food sludge. (laughs) So disgusting. So disgusting. I mean, it's probably just like flour and water. It looks like puke. It is disgusting. This is one step away from someone vomiting on Stargate, which doesn't happen, thankfully. But I was eating my dinner. I'm always, I always seem to be eating my dinner when I watch this episode. And I had to look away because, oh, gross. (laughs) I thought it was more like like oatmeal cement. But the the, the image of it coming out of the Stargate, it's like, is someone puking it through is someone peeing it through it's just <laughs> disgusting <laughs> so they do eat it like o'neill really puts his finger so it must just be like a mixture of flour and water that they made for them and they're like it looks gross but you could eat it <laughs> and he didn't make i mean when he smelled it he thought it smelled bad but when he ate some he was like ah not bad i can do this I think O'Neill's like comic timing this episode is great he really <laughs> captures those looks perfectly so the food sludge, Linnea gets her bowl first, everyone waits, then Vishnur gets his bowl, and then everyone attacks the lovely trough of vomit food, and SG-1 gets the last scraps. They probably don't clean that thing out afterwards. No, because they they have to bring it to the gate, right? They don't, yeah. yeah. They might lick it. They all seem really, like, hungry. This, so, yeah. They might lick it clean. Seems like a recipe for communicable diseases. <laughs> Linnea will fix them. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's it too. Maybe she like heals. Although why you would want to live longer in this hellhole, I don't know. But maybe she um, is like their medic or their healer or something. So we're back at the SGC. The SG9 leader says that SG1 broke the law and they have to respect the law, even if they don't agree with it. And that Taldor has a zero tolerance policy almost religiously. And essentially it's life without parole for all offenses. Hammond says that doesn't sound like justice. And SG9's like, well, I don't know about that, but they have no crime. So I think we should talk about like, talk about that. So it actually reminded me a lot of Singapore, which has, a, I mean, it's not like LWAP, I don't know, um, but they have a very, very strict criminal code, very, very, very strict sentences, and also have a v- relatively crime-free society. Um, but the sentences are so draconian that it's like hard to think of it as justice. And what would constitute a crime? I mean, theft, probably drug use, but like adultery. I mean, that that's a crime in some countries. Does that also put you in prison for life? I, I mean, we know that the blind guy was put in prison for life for stealing food. Yeah, John Valjean. Well, I mean, O'Neill thinks that they got thrown in there for jaywalking, but I mean, I can't speak to Singapore, but I did have a client who was thrown in jail, just jail, not prison for jaywalking. Yeah. I mean, jaywalking leading into a search, leading into illegal things on his body. 
and then going to jail. But still, the underlying crime was jaywalking. I'm sure there's been instances where, when jaywalking has led to resisting arrest. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or having a little bit of pot on you oh, before yeah. it's legal mm-hmm. all the time. Not even, you didn't even have to jaywalk. If a cop thought he smelled pot somewhere near you, within a mile radius of you, he would arrest you back in the old days. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a little better now, at least where we practice. But yeah, the the people are in jail for bullshit things. You know, people who do not deserve to be in jail, who do not do things that warrant them being in jail. I mean, there's still people in federal prison serving decades long sentences for marijuana possession. So, I mean... Which is why it's interesting that, that Hammond's like, this is not justice. I mean, you know, the U.S., we don't officially have LWAP sentences for marijuana possession, but we do have close to it. And, and we have, you know, I, I think there's a little less tolerance for it now, but as most recently as the early 2000s, people were getting sentenced to like 50 plus years for, for marijuana offenses, for completely nonviolent drug offenses. So mm-hmm. this certainly at the time the show was made, that was happening. Yeah. I did want to mention one time, it wasn't my case, but I was in the department that it was being called in. And there was a guy who had been in jail for five days and his attorney said on the record, he got on a bus without paying and he had been in custody for five days. His bail was like a hundred dollars and he was homeless. So he couldn't afford it. So he was going to stay in custody until they went to trial for, I don't know, I think at that time, fair was like a dollar fifty. So we kind of have draconian, even here in liberal California, we have some draconian uh, procedures when it comes to incarceration. Yes. And now supposedly it is illegal to incarcerate people on high bail if they can't afford it as of 2021. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but they're not supposed to do that. So you wouldn't, hopefully get that situation today but they do do all kinds of stuff where they're like we're going to keep you in custody for two weeks while we get an assessment done on what you need and maybe what you need is like a social worker but you're in jail for two weeks for fair evasion or something like that because that's how long it takes to get it done so sg3 leader is saying let's go get them let's take our forces break them out of jail sg9 is saying force is not the answer here a we can't win they're more advanced than us and B, we'd be making an enemy. And SG3 is like, they already have an enemy. Let's go get our people. So you have kind of like the Jack Daniel differing approaches on how to handle this situation. Hammond sort of takes the side of SG9, but he's like, I'm going with you. So when SG9 was talking about how the Taldor work and their justice system and all this stuff, that says to me that they have SG9 has experienced them, knows a lot about their culture, knows what not to do, what to do. Why wouldn't they SG9 impart this to SG1 when they go to so-called explore? Be careful what you do. No, right? I think we found out this information after. I think I think more time is passing here than it feels like because it feels like they're on this prison for like a day, but I think it's longer because. Um, I think SG9 finds this all out when Hammond assigns them the mission of like the diplomatic mission and they meet the Taldor though they don't ever see their faces. And I think, so I think he gets it after the fact. Okay. 
but it might be, I mean, it's an interesting question of why don't they send the diplomats first when you, when you know you're going to a planet, maybe it's because they didn't know this was going to be like a civilized planet. They, it looked like a forest. And the first time they realized it wasn't, it was civilized was when they were in prison. Um, but it seems like if you're like, it's, these are first contact kind of missions, a diplomatic unit would be the way to go. So we go back to the prison. We have Linnea treating her bowl of vomit food with whatever to make it less vomity tasting. With her witch magic. <laughs> you have Sam asking about her crime and Linnea says that it was a, an experiment gone wrong with tragic consequences. She says that she tried to cure a plague but ended up accelerating it and they blamed her for it. Well, I wonder if Linnea would have told a different story if she felt like Carter didn't trust her because I feel like Carter sees Linnea as like a kindred soul with her at this point. And so the closer to the truth that she can get and also make her sound like a hero that just had an accident kind of bonds them together. Well, and she does say, I mean, she gives these hints throughout. She's like, do not think that I am innocent. I mean, she doesn't come out and tell her the truth, but she does leave a lot of clues that there's a lot more going on here than what they think. SG1's being really naive in all their ways. Like you have Jack who really doesn't care. I mean, had she come out and said, I'm the destroyer of worlds, I think he still would have used her to escape, mm -hmm. right? Um, you have Daniel who's like very very idealistic about, about everything. And Sam who's like, yeah, who's, who does see her as like a kindred spirit, a fellow woman scientist, her protector, um, and is trying to make what she's doing okay or trying to make this feel okay for her somewhere in between Jack and Daniel. And Teal'c again, who doesn't get to do much. Just strangle people. <laughs> it's good at that. Um, so we're back at the SGC. Uh, the SG9 leader is briefing Hammond on Teldor, which apparently are xenophobic, arrogant, et cetera, et cetera. Really nice people. And, um, but they do want to maintain diplomatic contact. And then we see Hammond go through the gate for, I guess, the very first time. <laughs> he looks nervous. He did. Yeah. <laughs> what does he say? The things I do for these people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wish we could see the home world. That was kind of what was missing in this episode. The, the Taldor home world. Do you think they just went to that spotlight <laughs> place again? Yeah, I don't think you could go to their home because I don't, they won't let you see them, which is why I'm like, maybe they're not human and they just like lord above the humans. I don't know. Yeah. That's Thank what I was you. thinking too. Maybe they're really grotesque looking creatures or something. Yeah, because you only ever see that beam room. So I don't know mm -hmm. if you, like they gate into that room or if they like immediately get beamed up when, a, when they get there, something. So you have Daniel um, trying to think of places they could go to gate to and you have all the people trying to line up for the kawoosh. D Daniel stands in front of them. Malik, I know you have some thoughts about this. I do. <laughs> Why couldn't you beg them not to stand in front of the kawoosh from behind them? <laughs> or on the side of that. Why are you literally standing between them and certain death and saying, no, don't, please, please, you're going to die. What and it's not like he's going to prevent them from dying if he stands there. He's, he's going to die just along with them. It's a very he, Daniel. He, yeah. He is just, he is like a walking suicide wish. Yes. And Jack's like, Daniel, move. I mean, what was his plan though? Just to stand there and die? Or was he going to jump out of the way at the last minute? Well, it's a good thing the prisoners pushed him out of the way. 
<laughs> they saved his life. Did you notice the rest of the team didn't, weren't like, they said, get out of the way, Daniel, but none of them <laughs> went. They none of them grabbed him? They didn't want to be feet in a pair of smoking shoes. <laughs> like, we have stuff to live for, Daniel. Then this leads to the fight between Vishnor and Daniel. And by fight, I mean, Daniel almost dying <laughs> without fighting back whatsoever. <laughs> Basically being choked to death. After his bear hug. And um, at some point, so Linnea's plan really is to stay out of it, but at some point she hand devices Vishnar and kills him, right? I don't know, is it, it, it doesn't do a ribbon like the ghoul device. It sort of looks like just like an energy pulse of some kind. And Daniel and is apparently barely alive after this encounter. Did nobody see Linnea do this? I don't know. It seemed very, like she opened her palm. I guess everyone was focused on the fight, that quote fight. She had to have done this many times in the past, and yet no one mentions this device on her hand. I mean, is it that they think that she's just a witch kind of powerful? I mean, maybe they don't realize it's a device and they think she's just or a witch. Maybe they, they all know that she has it on her and they're just afraid of, of taking it from her because she might use it on them. Yeah, I mean, it seems like if you have to hold it in your palm, somebody would see it at some point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But SG-1 hasn't noticed right? No, they were looking at the fight. And, they, and that's why O'Neill's like, dude, you won the fight. And everyone's like, how is that possible? Like to them, it must've looked like Daniel was like being choked to death. They couldn't help. And then he just flops over and dies. <laughs> I, I would have thought he had a heart attack. Maybe if I had to figure out what was going on. Or Daniel's covered in poison or something. <laughs> and it seeps through Vishner's skin. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it didn't make sense. So then you get back to, we get to the, back to the beam room, um, the Taldor beam room and Hammond is there with the SG nine representative and you have Taldor talking to him and you have, you have Hammond trying to take responsibility and you, <laughs> the look on the SG nine leader's face. I'm like, Oh my God, I've seen every defense lawyer. I know <laughs> that same <laughs> look on their face as the client next to them is like pouring their heart out. <laughs> To the oh, yeah. court and you're like shut the fuck up yeah i wrote down defense attorney in my notes. <laughs> we've all been there come on as our, yeah as our clients are yelling i'm guilty i'm yeah. guilty i see that look on a daily basis it was so funny hammond was really digging that pit <laughs> no did, did no, anyone get get anywhere with this did did they make any headway i don't think so i don't right? think so so hammond tries to take despite his best efforts to incriminate himself they say no you're not guilty so i guess some i guess you can get found not guilty in this like trial situation so then we get to the we get back to the prison and so that when they did the kawoosh that killed that almost killed daniel that's when the the blind man comes through right mm -hmm. Linnea sprinkles some potion in his eyes that immediately cures like years worth of blindness. Okay, that also would be helpful to have back on earth if they could manage to get it. And uh, says that Daniel prevailed and everyone's like, no, he didn't. What the hell? Well, so I was a little irritated, I guess is the word, by his, his portrayal of a blind person. It was just like, I'm going to open my eyes as wide as I can, and I'm going to stare off into space. Even though people are talking around me, I am not going to move my head, not going to move my eyes. I'm just going to stare off into space. I didn't like it. 
Yeah, it didn't seem inaccurate. Yeah, very ableist. Blindness. Yeah. Yeah. But his blindness is cured. And the first thing he sees is the destroyer of worlds. We don't find out that that's what she is right now, but he sees her, gets like, starts whimpering and runs away, terrified. And Daniel wakes up. Jack tells him he won. Daniel says, that's really interesting because I don't feel like I won. And he immediately thinks of an address that they can go to, that they will meet um, SG3. So then we get to the escape plan. The sludge food comes through. Daniel is now in charge. <laughs> he distributes the food in the pecking order, Linnea first, then his friends, then everybody else. And SG1 starts to power the gate with the plants. Now this part, I found a little too ridiculous. It took me out of the suspended disbelief is them wrapping this like Christmas tinsel ornament plant around a gate acting like that's supposed to do something. <laughs> oh, it was a mess. <laughs> it was very decorative. I mean, if you're going to decorate the gate with something, you might as well do <laughs> moss vines that will soon be part of cold fusion, right? Well, and Sam says, like, we're talking about an alien plant powering an alien stargate, like, it's not as simple as splicing wires, but apparently it is. It's more simple than splicing wires. You just wrap it around the gate and that just puts it right in there. <laughs> and the gate activates right away. So the, the, new, the newly not blind guy watches them as they plant power the gate. Sam says, that's it. They dial the address, the gate activates. Daniel bolts through. I know. Followed by Sam who nicely helps Linnea through keeping their end of the bargain and then um i think was it only the the formerly blind guy that goes through or any other prisoners managed to escape just the blind guy yeah that kind of sucks you'd think they could have at least helped the other prisoners escape i mean i know they don't know what they did but like whatever they did they know that this is an unjust system of punishment mm -hmm. i kind of like i didn't like that they just sort of left them there to like languish forever then we next get to the sgc hammond welcomes them Linnea is with them Sam wants to offer Linnea a quarter. Sam has made best friends with this lady. And then later we see them in the lab and Sam's showing her everything there is to see. Yeah. Well, before we get to the lab, I have a shipper's corner moment here. You do? I do, I do. Um, it's not the ship that you guys are hoping for, but Linnea and Hammond, like <laughs> Linnea's music changed and it got all romancy. And Hammond and her were kind of giving each other these looks of kind of, mm, yeah. You didn't notice that? No. I was like, are these two going to hook up? You know, if she wasn't the destroyer of worlds, maybe there could have been something there. Well, you would think she should be checked out by the dock and sent straight to not the brig, but quarantine her, right? But maybe, you know, if you, blink and make like little head nods towards Hammond <laughs> he won't make you go into the <laughs> uh, locked room well at the very least maybe you shouldn't give some person you just broke out of prison complete access to your entire computer system seems like a very basic protocol that is totally on Sam I mean maybe she got permission maybe they're like yeah let her see whatever you want but well, they shouldn't have yeah. Well, no, it's ridiculous. Let me, 
even if you Hammond's falling in love with her and Carter is now her adopted daughter why would you just be like here here's our computer we have everything we've ever learned in this computer (laughs) please I'm gonna leave you to go through it no I I agree about the computer thing but they probably put her through some pretty intensive scans she is in in another change of clothes so they had to address her or had her address yeah I mean I'm sure they are confident she's not a ghoul but like they wouldn't even let Catherine know about the program somebody who had worked on it and they're gonna like let this strange prisoner who they know nothing about like have full access to their computer system it just like yeah the lack of security protocol seemed ridiculous and people just don't they they tend to minimize and Linnea is definitely <laughs> minimizing her ability to kill all the inhabitants of a planet and unleash a plague yes agreed massive fail they kind of deserve what happens next then Linnea, so her ruse to get into the computer is, oh, I can tell you all the formulas for my activators and all that. And I guess in the process is like learning how to use the computer, learning how to access things. And Sam's like, sure, let me show you all the gate addresses. They're right here. Great. (laughs) And then while Sam is completely compromising base security uh, in the briefing room, Daniel, Jack, and Teal'c are briefing Hammond and the man whose blindness she had cured comes in and tells them the story about the destroyer of worlds that she actually created the plague as a war tactic and killed over half of his population that's a that was a big reveal so at this point when once i feel like you think most of the episode is the prison and then breaking out of prison but by the time they get back to the sgc there's still like seven minutes left so you know something else is coming did you did you expect the destroyer of worlds malika I knew something was shady about her. I didn't know that she would have (laughs) tried to kill millions of people or she did kill millions of people, but I knew she was shady. So do you think given that, did she deserve to be in Hadante prison? Yeah. (laughs) I guess, I mean, was, is that prison an appropriate sentence ever? I mean, it's obviously overused, but it's, I think still is like torturous it's still cruel and unusual punishment well they're not in solitary confinement which our courts have decided is not uh cruel and unusual they get food (laughs) they don't get health care which our courts have said is a is a constitutional requirement for prisons well Linnea is the health (laughs) care it's not state provided (laughs) they don't get any outside exposure. There's no guards to ensure anyone's safety. Not that these things actually happen in prison, but they're supposed to. You're supposed to have a safe prison. You're supposed to not be like violently raped and killed and tortured in prison. It does happen a lot. Right. Well, I don't, so I don't necessarily think that she was put there for punishment. Maybe they put her there for containment. She would continue to unleash plagues on whoever he, she felt like. So then wouldn't you want to have a guard like watching her to make sure she's not doing this? If she's that brilliant, she can maybe find a way to power the gate. She could be making another plague in there too. She has, she seems to have all the tools for it. Maybe they don't care if all she does is unleash it on the prisoners. Yeah, that's true. I think I would need to know a little more information about what happened. Was she studying the virus or did she actually make this virus with the intent to release it 
to kill the enemy in a war. The, his report implied that it was intentional. It was like a, a, a biological weapon. But he's the he's, he's a member of the other. Of yeah, the so enemy. maybe he's not the most reliable witness. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so maybe she is falsely accused. Maybe she was right. She tried to help and or was developing a weapon and didn't mean it to, to cause that kind of damage. Who knows? But she she seems, to, I don't know. I found her statements implying that she knew she had done something wrong. And I also found her very amoral. Like she was going to do what she had to do and she didn't seem to have very many qualms one way or another. She didn't have any illusions that she was a good person, but she didn't care. But was it negligence, gross negligence or a criminal intent though? Because a lot of doctors commit negligence and they don't get in trouble. But most doctors don't kill half of the population of a planet. Some doctors do kill people through <laughs> negligence. And they don't get in trouble. Like millions, not like millions. Of That's people. true. Not millions. Okay, not millions. Yes. So if we if we believe him and his account, then it, it was intentional. But then was it? And also, but if it was intentional, was it on behalf of her planet? Was did she see herself as like a warrior fighting for something? Because my impression of her is that she doesn't have loyalty to anything or anyone. Um, so I find it hard to believe that she would kill people for a side unless that side was paying her or she was getting some benefit from it. Yeah, she could be a hero on her side and then the enemy yeah. on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt like she was a mercenary too, Rose. I felt like she's like um, some kind of psychopath and yeah. just to kill people. That was the vibe I was getting from her. So no empathy, is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 It's all about getting whatever her goal is she's going to achieve it no matter what happens including murdering a whole bunch of people or she's just trying to further herself along and even i mean in criminal defense fleeing should not be used as proof of guilt but she does flee she does flee prison she flees flees prison she flees earth yeah she's a runner so Malika, do you like her as a character? No, I think she's evil. No, but I mean, oh, yeah, she's evil. But do you like her as an evil villain of this show? No. <laughs> I do want to see her again. Okay. But I don't like, I, well, I can't blame Carter for anything because I like Carter so much. Um, her naive, naivete pisses me off, but I'm not going to blame her. So I have to blame somebody and I blame Linnea. <laughs> What about you? Me? Yeah. I like her. I think she's a complicated villain. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I, I like, I mean, I like that she's really smart, complicated. Her, her motivations aren't really clear. She does have this thing at the end where she's like, thank you for your kindness. All debts are paid. Like, you know, it's, it's, she's not as easy to peg down as just a bad guy. And I, and I do like that. I think it was Joe Flanagan at the convention that we went to said something along the lines of you don't play evil, you play what their motivation is. And that's how you get to a good character, a good character study. And I think that's what Linnea did. So just to finish up the, the, you know, after, so she hand devices, Carter and that other lab technician, it looks through their computer, I guess, is getting gate information and stuff like that. And then we get to the, this whole self-destruct thing. So she, I mean, she must be pretty darn smart to figure out the computer system, how to hack it, how to access all the information she needs that quickly, how to like override all the controls, access the gate, dial out, 
and set some fake self-destruct. So is, was the idea with the self-destruct that it was to keep them occupied, but it doesn't actually self-destruct. It counts down and then nothing happens. And was that her, like, that was her, her all debts have now been paid? I have no idea. I was confused too. Yeah. I didn't quite understand what she was. I don't understand why that didn't self-destruct. And also everyone's like very unconcerned that they're about to die, right? Because that self-destruct is like 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. Everyone's like, uh, what should we do? But like, nobody's like panicking. And then we get her nice message. All debts have now been paid. And then we end the show with Sam saying that they let her out. So they have now unleashed the destroyer of worlds on the galaxy. I was going to say something about the fact that she was looking at the computer typing away and she wasn't looking down at her fingers, which felt to me like this is the first time you've ever been in front of a keyboard, in front of a computer, and you can type from memory. But then when Rose, you were listening, listing all of the things that she had done to get off world. I was like, you know, this kind of pales in comparison. <laughs> I mean, she has an IQ of like 500. Oh yeah, she's a genius. So she can learn the QWERTY, the QWERTY keyboard really fast. <laughs> she doesn't have to do a junior high typing class. Maybe she's seen a computer before and she was just playing with them so they would really she, show her everything. I mean, I think if you make a biological weapon that destroys half of civilization, you probably access some kind of advanced technology but the keyboard is a specific like arrangement of english letters that are only relevant on this planet that is true so, like if they were all of a sudden mixed up you would not be able to type that fast yeah i'd be hunting and pecking you're right yes. yeah yeah so now is the point of the episode where we will rate the episode from one to seven slash eight chevrons. So Malika, how many chevrons would you give this episode? I give it a four, which seems like that's kind of my standard. Um, there was a far too many plot holes and it feels like our team never learns, never learns from anything. So it's like a blank slate every time they go onto a planet and they put themselves in peril and almost die every single time. And they never learn shit from this. But they, but we did get Linnea, who I agree is a complex character. And like I said, I do want to see her again. So I give it a four. What about you, Sam? I give it a 5.5. I like Linnea. I like RDA's humor. I hate the sludge <laughs> that comes out of that wormhole, but I just turn my face away. So yeah, 5.5. I'm going to give it a five. I do like this episode. Um, it, it, their plot holes are, are quite substantial. You really have to just sort of agree to go with them on some things that make no sense. That That Christmas tree plant thing just really doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but overall I like this I like the idea I like the concept I think uh, it was cast well I really like Linnea as a character as a villain and also the actress who plays her I think uh, RDA this is a spot-on episode for him um disappointed in some of Sam's choices towards the end there I don't think this is one of her uh, I mean not a man tapping man tapping is perfect always but uh the things they make Sam do and say in this don't feel quite right but yeah I think it, it's it is overall a good episode. And so if this episode was made today, what would we see differently? 
maybe the cold fusion would be explained more. Yeah. It, yeah, because I mean, we know about it. I mean, we don't know the intricacies of it, but we know it exists enough to say, hmm, does that really work? Yeah, the, the power, or they could have found a different kind of power source. I mean, maybe had they not been able to get out of the gate, they would have like tried to tunnel up to the surface or something and come across some kind of power source. It seemed like they had a lot of options with power sources and they went with like the most ridiculous. Oh, I know the rape would have been a real fear. Like we would have seen raping happening it would have been darker. The prison, the prison would have been yeah. darker. Yeah. And more violence. I mean, not just yeah. rape, but prisons are very violent, especially prisons with no guards would be, um, and no separation at all between, um, prisoners would have been very violent. I think it, it, people in that kind of desperate circumstances. So are we going to see Linnea again? Do you want us to answer that? Yeah kind Don't of what happens. Don't tell me what happens. I'm going to say kind of. Okay. Do we see her destruction? Kind not of. This, not, not this destruction. Okay. A we do find out what happens to her. I will say we do find out what happens to her okay. from here on out. Okay, good. It might or might not make sense either. I love that episode. I have to say that's actually one of my favorite circuit episodes. Oh, okay. It's season three. Season three. You have to wait a little bit. Okay. Okay, then. So join us next week. We'll, next week, we'll be discussing episode four, which is Gamekeeper of season two of SG-1. Hope you'll join us. Bye. Bye. Yeah, as our clients are yelling, I'm guilty, I'm yeah. guilty. Now take me to jail. Please like us. Oh, and follow us on Instagram at Probing the Wormhole, or Twitter at Probing the Wormhole, or Facebook at Probing the Wormhole. You can also get in touch with us at our website, probingthewormhole.com.